The Buffalo Sabres lose a legend. The Pittsburgh Penguins look forward to the new season with new weapons in hand. And the Florida Panthers look to take that last step after reaching the Stanley Cup final last year. All that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. want to thank everyone for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get new episodes as soon as they drop. And you can also find us now on SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search for Locked On NHL. It is great to finally have back on the show the host of Locked On Sabres, Joe DiBiase. But Joe, unfortunately, a a sad time for Sabres fans and the NHL as uh, uh, really a a legend and an institution uh, in Buffalo and around the league uh, passing away last week in Rick Jenneret. Talk to me a little bit about what he meant to the Sabres and to Buffalo in particular. I mean, he meant – thanks for having me, Gil. I think he – meant everything to everybody. Um, If you want to talk about the most well-liked figures in Buffalo sports history, like it's not even close. He's number one. He's beloved by everybody. You won't find a fan, a, a player, an owner, a management person over time that ever had a bad word to say about Rick Jenneret. I mean, he was universally loved. He was really like the perfect bridge between fans and I think the team itself, because he he always would take offense to being known as the voice of the Sabres or to, you know, being this this big star that everybody loved. And it's I think because deep down this, I think, what made him connect with people is that deep down he just thought of himself as I'm a Sabre fan. I just happen to have a microphone in front of me and everybody else doesn't. And I think that, you know, helped connect him to the fan base. But I mean, what did he mean? He was the Sabres. He's, I think if you ask a Sabre fan, the, t- the average Sabre fan, who the face of the franchise was, it wasn't Hashik, it wasn't Perot, it wasn't, you know, any of these players over time. Like, it was it was RJ. He was the voice of the Sabres. And as logos changed several times, as owners changed several times, uniforms changed, players changed, GMs, coaches Everything changed except for that guy who was in that seat for 51 years. Yeah, I mean, I, I was fortunate enough to work with him a couple of times as his statistician when he, you know, came mm. to New York. Okay. And yeah. and just such an easygoing guy to work with and some yeah. great stories. And, you know, what you say really does hold true because he was just so easy to talk to. Some, some announcers, you know, when you do the statistics, they – you know, they wanted a certain way and they wanted exactly, he was so easy to work with and yeah. so great to talk to as a hockey fan that uh, he made me feel at ease right well, away. And part of that, I think was like the, he, he would only have, you know, like he would only have the lineup sheet. That's all that RJ would ever have. He would have the lineup sheet with the names enlarged a little bit. And that was it. That's all he wanted. And that's all he needed because as anyone that could attest to, I never got the, the chance to travel on the road with him, but knowing people in the media that have, or people that I work with that have worked with him on the road, 
anywhere you went out with him for dinner or for a drink that night in an in a in a random day in Dallas, you know, wherever you are, he had to have a hockey game on. You if you're going somewhere, he's got to have a game on. He would be watching games every night at home. Like I think part of the reason why, you know, like you know, like the the statisticians and, you know, like why he only needed the lineup sheet, I think is part of what made him special among the many things that did was he watched the game so much. He knew the league so well that, okay, the Sabres are playing the Devils tonight. Oh, I can tell you all about uh, Damon Severson. Why? Because I've already watched him 12 times this year. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, you think about it, when he started, what were there, 12 teams, 14 teams? Uh, 14 Maybe, teams, right. I think, in the yeah. league, and now it's 32. Uh, you know, such changes that we've seen, and, and yet he was a constant for so long. For so many fans. I mean, there are so many memorable calls of the May Day call everybody always speaks of. But was there one that stood out in your mind, a moment for him that that just yeah. personified what he meant to everybody? And I, I think, I mean, the May Day call is going to be his number one call of all time. I mean, it's so perfect. And, you know, like maybe it's not even appreciated enough. Sometimes I think of it as being like overplayed just because I hear it all the time. But it's really not. It's just it's so perfect. The timing and all of it. I have a I have an under the radar one that I love. If if everyone's ever seen the Brian Campbell hit on RJ Umberger um, from back in the day, which I still regard, you find me a better hit in NHL history than that hit. And RJ, I mean, it just exemplifies exactly what he was. He would rise to the energy of the crowd. If the crowd went nuts in an instant, he went nuts in an instant. Like he just matched the energy of the crowd. And in that moment. Like, what's a big open ice hit like that? And this, again, I'm if it's not the biggest open ice hit of all time, I think it's one of them. A, a play like that is 0 to 100. It's, oh, they're carrying the puck up the ice, and oh, my God, what just happened? And that is what he, how he reacts in that moment. So it's not even necessarily like a creative call. I mean, he had a bunch of those. Um, but to me, that was just listen to his voice match how that crowd went nuts as if a playoff goal had just gone in, um, and I think he crushed it. He had a he did have a line like a little bit later in the call, something like he just got run over by a Greyhound bus, you know. So he get, he threw something in there, uh, you know, to to make it a little bit colorful. But that's always been a favorite of mine, even though it's way down the list. I think of his greatest calls of all time. The Sabers missed the playoffs by one point last year. I mean, people may forget that the Florida Panthers, who went to the Stanley Cup final, had one more point in the standings than the Sabers did. What will yeah. it take for this team to take that step and, and end the playoff drought this year? I think number one answer, honestly, is goaltending. I think it's pretty simply put. This team was third in the NHL in goal scoring last year. Their forward group is basically the same. They're going to be missing Jack Quinn. I think that's a big loss. I think he, of if you asked me this a month ago, who's the number one breakout candidate for the Buffalo Sabres this year? It was Jack Quinn. But he's out probably until December. So it is the same forward group. You're missing him. So that's a loss. But he only scored 14 goals this year as a rookie. So even though there was a jump coming there, I don't think that that hurts them a lot. Third in goal scoring last year. Okay, they should be top 10 at least again next year. Defense was another big issue. And while I still think they left fans wanting a little bit there in the top four, it's not like they didn't do anything. I mean, they brought in Connor Clifton, um, who had been a nice bottom four defensemen for Boston. They brought in Eric Johnson to be on the third pair as a veteran presence. So 
even though I think they could have done better on the blue line, they did do something, and I think they did improve it. They upgraded it. But goalie was a sinkhole for this team last year. Like, let's be honest. Like, Craig Anderson gave them some games, but he was 41 years old. He couldn't play a lot. So, you know, 60% of their games, they were playing with some of the worst goaltending in the National Hockey League. And Devin Levi presents a really exciting potential. He was awesome in the final seven games of the season, no doubt. But I'm a little skeptical that you could go a whole year with a 21-year-old rookie goaltender and ask him to play, what, 60 games? Because that's what it might, it might take for him, for them to make the playoffs with him playing well you know, unless they get an upgrade from, from somebody else. But um, I'm skeptical right now of the goalie options around Levi. Levi's exciting, but I think your, your just in case the rookie has a bad month needs to be a lot better than what they have right now. Before we started recording, you mentioned there's a couple of moves that may be coming down the pike. What are we looking at right now? Yeah. The thing that we're just kind of waiting on here for the Sabres is a couple of big contract extensions. And for me, I'm only holding my breath for one of them, but Sabres GM, Kevin Adams, um, multiple times this off season has spoken about their team and, um, both Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Powers, eight, uh, agencies about contract extensions and this is not surprising Adams loves to lock guys up early he's done it repeatedly he did it with Tage Thompson that looks really well they look really good it happened with Dylan Cousins it happened with Matias Samuelson and all those look pretty good right now for discount deals already um, and I think they want to do that with Owen Power I'm skeptical I don't think it makes any sense for Owen Power because Owen Power I think is a higher ceiling than all those guys I just mentioned even though those are nice players I don't think it makes sense for Owen Power to sign a contract after one year as a 19-year-old. To what I get why the Sabres want to do it. What do they right. want? They want to sign to eight years, six and a half million. But I don't think Power is going to do it. So I don't think that contract happens. The Darlene contract, I mean, I'd be stunned if it didn't happen by the start of the year. I'd be asking the question if night one happens and Darlene's not under contract, I'd be asking what went wrong here. Did he want to be the highest paid defenseman in hockey above Eric Carlson? Like, what's the deal here? Um, but – you still got over a month to go until the start of the year. So I don't think there's any panic by any means. He's got another year of his contract. And he's an RFA anyway. Um, but I think the Sabres will make him the highest paid player in the team. I would imagine it's going to be around $10 million a year. But I will – I'll stop short of that um, that thought from a second ago. I don't think he'll be the highest paid defenseman in hockey over Eric Carlson. Well, $10 million's nothing to sneeze at. No question about that. We'll yeah. keep an eye on that. Joe, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners – where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media. Yeah, you can find me on social media at Sneaky Joe Sports on Twitter. Uh, you can check out the Lockdown Savers podcast wherever you're listening to or watching this podcast, including our YouTube channel. And if you want to check out our most recent episode, we did a fun little exercise with an all-time Sabres draft, uh, drafting all the players from the former uh, Sabres teams. Um, so be sure to check it out. All right, Joe, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by AG1, a product I literally use every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted a supplement that didn't require me to take a whole bunch of different pills and would meet all of my nutritional needs. I usually have AG1 in the morning before starting my day, and it gives me energy and makes me feel better before I even begin to work. Look, 
AG1 gives you 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adoptogens to help you start your day right. And it supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy, recovery, focus, aging, all these things. So if you are looking for a comprehensive solution to what you need from your supplemental routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag one slash NHL Network. That's drinkag one slash NHL Network. Check it out. The Pittsburgh Penguins have had one of the most eventful off-seasons of any team in the National Hockey League, so we bring in the host of Locked On Penguins, Hunter Hodes, to talk about it. And Hunter, obviously the big move a couple of weeks ago with the Eric Carlson deal. How has that deal energized the organization and the fan base? And what what are the changes you've seen since that trade went down? I think it's energized everyone within the city of Pittsburgh. I think this is something that the organization badly needed. You needed to have a new star come in here to just – Give this fan base a jolt. I mean, I think the team has been a little bit stale these past few years. They haven't really been that fun to watch. And when you think of Penguins hockey, you think of fun, a lot of offense, a lot of scoring. Those are basically the same thing. And just superstar players making superstar plays. You go back to the 90s. You continue it with this era. That's what you think of when you think of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And now you add Eric Carlson into the fold, who just had over 100 points this past season. You have him with Chris Letang. You solved some of your offensive issues from last year. I know you don't solve them from the bottom six wise, but overall you'll get more goals and more production off of your back end. And you'll get potentially more goals from your forwards. It, it can only mean good things for the penguins. And the best part is this was a classic. We'll give you all our bad players for your one good player type trade. And Kyle Dubas was able to pull it off really nicely. Sure. They didn't get the sharks to retain a lot. I mean, if I were Mike Greer, I would have wanted to retain more because you would have gotten more in return, but they didn't want to do that because the ownership made that decision. But this is a very good trade for them. I'm a big fan of it. And I think it improves the defense heading into the year. And I also think it gives them more offense overall. How do you think they will break down the power play as far as Latang and Carlson are concerned? I mean, they can't both quarterback the power play at the same time. No, I, I I've discussed this with Pat, who's the new co-host of the show, Patrick Damp. You can follow him on Twitter at Synonym for Yet for Wet. We've discussed this a lot in the last couple of weeks. Personally, for me, I would have Eric Carlson at the top. I would put Chris Letang at the Phil Kessel position because he can be a shot first player and a pass first player. He that's something that I think the Penguins have really been lacking since Kessel left because he was such a threat at both areas in that spot on the left half wall. He could shoot the puck obviously really well with his release, but he was also a very underrated passer on the power play. I don't think the Penguins have truly replaced that since he was traded. You can put Jake Gensel in front of the net, have Evgeny Malkin at the right half wall, and then we all know how good Sidney Crosby is below the dots or just behind the net. He's unreal with his vision there. You can also split Carlson and Latang up if you want. You can have Carlson quarterback the top unit, Latang quarterback the second unit. You can also flip-flop them because Latang's power play numbers are still pretty good. I think Eric Carlson is a better power play quarterback at this point in his career, but I, I still don't mind Latang being up there. But with Carlson running it, you'll have a guy who's a one-man wrecking crew with his own entries. You're not going to hopefully see that stupid drop pass that they do very often in just coming out of the defensive zone when clears are made they just love to drop the puck back and then go backwards to go forwards and then it's just a mess because it allows the opposition to set up their their unit and 
it's it's a mess. I hope Todd Reardon gets away from that. But that's the structure that I would do for the power play this upcoming season. But and I'll say this too: there's no excuses for Todd Reardon with this unit now. It was kind of average, a little, little above average, but I would say mostly average this past season. It needs to be a lot better than that with the talent that they have at their disposal. Now, there are rumors going around that the Penguins are not finished, that they may be interested in adding Tomas Tatar to the lineup. What have you heard? Where are we at at this point? And what would it cost them if they were going to make that move? Well, Gil, I don't have any really big insider information. I don't have that luxury of being Elliot Freeman over here or some of the other full-time beat reporters. But, I mean, I, I do think they have interest in him. He's a good complementary middle six forward, which this team, I think, desperately needs. You look at who they added over the offseason. Noel Chari, very good defensive-minded player. I think he's going to be like that Brandon Tanev, like Wrecking Ball, who can also contribute a little bit offensively. Matt Nieto, defensive forward. Lars Eller, third or fourth line center. I think he's better as a fourth line center, in my opinion. He's also very good defensively. Well, when you look at that bottom six as a whole, outside of those guys, you have Jeff Carter, you have Drew O'Connor, who they re-signed. Alex Nylander's an option. Andreas Janssen, Vinny Hinnestroza, there's not really a big middle six winger in there that's going to put the fear of God into you to score 15, 17 goals. Tomas Tatar can do that. He's a 20-goal, 30-assist guy. He's good for, like, what, 50 points? He, yeah, that's how good he was this past season. You, If you can add him on a cheap deal, whether it's one year, whether it's two years, and you can figure out the cap heading into the season by sending some guys on waivers, maybe sending some guys down to Wilkes-Barre making a trade, I think it would be worth it because you would bring someone in who can complement the bottom six and actually be an offensive threat down there because that's, I think, the big thing that the Penguins are missing heading into the season is a good middle six winger. He can also play in the top six when injuries occur. They're already going to be without Jake Gensel for at least the first five or six games of the year. He can play up there next to Crosby or Malkin. It would just be a really good ad for the Penguins, and we'll be curious to see if Kyle Dubas can make it work because I'm sure he's probably having all sorts of conversations about the cap because they're capped out and all this other stuff. But I would love to see it happen because I think of the free agents left, he's by far the best option. Yeah, he, he is certainly the best available right now, and, and especially when you take into consideration the Penguins' needs. Talk to me about Dubas. I mean, he has really put his stamp on this team in a very short amount of time. This is his team, and you've seen the players that he's moved out, Gil. A lot of Ron Hextall moves that he made last the last couple of years. Jeff Petrie's gone. Macau Gramlin, who they just acquired, is gone. You have Jan Ruda, who they signed. He's gone. Casey DeSmith. He was there during the Jim Rutherford era, but still when Ron Hextall came in, he stuck with him. He's gone. He, he brought in his own guys. And I think the team right now is better heading into the season than it was at the end of this past season. I think the offseason so far, I mean, it's funny. After free agent frenzy, I kind of gave him a B minus C plus. I'm like, there, he can't be done yet, right? And sure enough, he wasn't. He still may not be done. I have it at about an A minus B plus right now. If he can get Tomas Tatar, I'll probably upgrade that to an A or A plus B, A plus, excuse me, because adding all that talent and just making the bottom six better, adding a game breaker, another game breaker for the defense with limited assets and limited cap space, that's a job well done. And you can see the Penguins are going for it. They're not satisfied. I think he's really energized the fan base, just energized the whole city. And it's just, it's nice to have someone who actually knows what they're doing at this at this position of being the GM and president of hockey operations. You're not just having someone come in here who tries to acquire guys who are good three to four years ago or something like that. It looks like he has a coherent plan. I may not have agreed with the bottom six plan after free agency, but if he can get to tar, 
I'll have come around a little bit on it. That said, I understand what the plan is there with how they don't want to be scored on a lot. And they also don't want, you know, just they want the top six to be able to do all the production, but they just want the bottom six to kind of play low event hockey. I get it. It's not what I would do, but at least there's a plan there. And I think it could be a little bit better if they are, are able to get to tar, but I've been really impressed with him and I'm curious to see what else he does next. Cause I don't think he's done not, if not August or September, but at the trade deadline, cause I think he can make a move there too. All right. Well, exciting times in Pittsburgh. Hunter, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter or X, I guess is what we're calling it now, at Hunter Hodes. The show's Twitter is at LO underscore Penguins. You can follow the new co-host of the show, Patrick Damp, at Synonym for Wet. He joined the show about a few weeks ago. It's really nice having him on. And yeah, that's where you can find the show. And it's all on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, all that good stuff. All right, Hunter, thanks so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to have you here. Yes, thank you for having me. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of the Locked On Florida Panthers podcast, Armando Velez. And Armando, we had you on all spring long, that beautiful long playoff run. It's great to have you back. Uh, it's been an eventful offseason for the, for the Florida Panthers so far. Yeah, uh, first of all, Gil, welcome back for also you on the national show. Glad to hear your voice once again and also to be a guest on, on the national show as well. But yeah, the one of the shortest off-seasons that the Florida Panthers have had in their franchise's history, if you exclude everything with COVID and everything with 2020, 2021 and all that stuff, when you're, when you're thinking about a typical season and then with the Florida Panthers, because they didn't win a single game in the 96 final, getting one it was already considered the, the most successful season that the Florida Panthers have ever had. And for me personally, covering this team, it's great to have a short off season because as this episode drops, we are 52 days away from the Florida Panthers taking the ice against the Minnesota wild on opening night. Not that you're counting or anything. So yeah, <laughs> no, that, 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 that's great. A lot of changes this off season on the blue line, uh, some injuries, some free agent defections, some new players coming in. Talk to me about your feelings about the moves that have been made this offseason and how good this defense core can be this season. Well, to start off, uh, the Florida Panthers are going to be without the likes of Brandon Montour and Aaron Black to start the season. It's funny because uh, Bill Zito actually went on the on the Sirius XM NHL power play show last week and spoke about the updates. But he honestly said a whole bunch of nothing, which is something I talked about on my show. He said, could it be one month? No. Could it be four months? Probably not. Those are his exact words. So we didn't really get an answer based on that. And Brandon Montour has also posted some videos on his rehab. So he looks to be on track after that uh, torn labrum. Aaron Eckblatt has been quiet on the socials, so we have no idea what's going on uh, with, with him. But the guys that they brought on the on the blue line, uh, a guy in Oliver ekman Larson who didn't have the best year in Vancouver and who's had, who struggled in the last few years. But he is a guy who's been who's hungry to to make it on a, on a long playoff run um, with a team coming off off the Stanley Cup final because he's only made the playoffs once. If you don't count the bubble season where where they where they advanced to the after the qualifying round, he's only been to the to the Western Conference final, and that was more than ten years ago for Oliver Ekman Larson. He's a leader on, as well. 
and he, and he's a guy who could quarterback possibly a power play. Chances are he might be um, the quarterback on on the Florida Panthers power play to start the the year. Him or Gus Forsling for that. So they're going to look to him for him to be to be playing the top pair minutes at the at the beginning of of the season as well. And also there's guys who were victims of cap crunches as well or roster crunches as well mike riley only played 10 games with the boston bruins last year this is an opportunity for him and with the florida panthers now having freed up cap space after the majority of keith yandel's uh buyouts off the books they're they don't feel as much of a squeeze they don't have to start with 20 players on opening night like they did last year but still the cap the flat cap is still very real with, with this team they also brought nico mikola to the mix as well on the blue line and they were never gonna sign Radko Gudis to a four-year deal someone who's going to be on the on the tail end of his 30s with that so you had to bring guys who were hungry who and and also guys who have a little bit of beef because let's be real the Florida Panthers kind of got bullied in the Stanley Cup final there's a big major size advantage and talent advantage as well for the for the Vegas Golden Knights against the Panthers so Bill Zito's objective was to get get more a little bit of beef on on their blue line especially well, let's see how that ends up panning out. Another area uh, that's a little bit of a question mark is the goaltending situation. I mean, we know Sergei Bobrovsky is going to be the starter and the number one guy, but uh, Spencer Knight back from uh, you know his time off. What role do you expect him to play, and how do you expect the goaltending starts and games to break down this season? Well. Good news for the for Spencer Knight is that he is off the the players assistance program. He he was actually participating in development camp for the Panthers. He did not play in the scrimmage, but he got a special exemption from the NHL to participate and and at least get into a hockey setting again. And for Spencer Knight just listening to him talk in the media availabilities, he he looks like to have like a bigger bigger sense of purpose, not just hockey, but as far as life as as well. So I'm, I'm, if it, it, it's it's very easy to cheer for someone like Spencer Knight on and off the ice, but uh, Anthony Stolarz uh, coming into coming into the mix as well, they realized how important it was to have that third goalie on the on the roster. We saw it with Alex Lyon last year, who earned himself a contract with the Detroit Red Wings uh, the, the, this offseason, but they knew that they were not keeping Alex Lyon around. So thank you for your services, Alex Lyon, and getting the Panthers to the playoffs. But they 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 had to they had to try to f- find somebody and and Anthony Stolarz has never played a full season. He he has almost he has, he has eighty one games under his belt. So and around and you know the the Anaheim Ducks they were they had they gave up four more shots average per game than the next worst team uh, in in the NHL. So. I want to think that for Anthony Stolarz being in a better situation, that he's going to be have be able to succeed as well. And for Sergei Bobrovsky, here's the thing: every time Sergei Bobrovsky has been tested as far as his his starting crease being in jeopardy or someone else coming in, he's always answered the bell and always responded back. It happened with Chris Drieger. It happened with Spencer Knight even after after he finished the Tampa series as well, having his best season in, in the regular season in the President's Trophy uh, season. Alex Lyon as well, starting the first three games of the first round. And then Sergey Bobrovsky, even though he didn't have a good start to the postseason, really, really was lights out to the towards the end of that run as well for the Panthers. 
So, and this is the, this guy is the first one in last guy out for, for, for the cats and seen, seen it even on nights that he doesn't start and we're going to media availabilities. He's in, he's in there. He's in their gym constantly doing stretches, working out. So you, you can't, it, it's hard. You can't criticize Sergey Bobrovsky's work ethic. And it seems that after the way it ended last, as, as far as the last game, giving up nine goals, uh, you could only imagine how hungry Sergey Bobrovsky will be going into to this season. Will the results pan out the way the way we want? Um, hopefully, but you know it's a short off season. We can't we can't we have to acknowledge that as well. So we we can't we don't know. We also don't know how to predict where Sergey Bobrovsky is going to be. Are you concerned that the team as a whole may have a little bit of a a lag early in the season because the off season was so short? It's funny because actually the way I think about it is because Paul Maurice and Matthew Kachuk have been on the team for now a whole calendar year and you're not starting to get to know people coming into your franchise. Chances are, even with the injuries, there's a chance that the Florida Panthers could actually have a better start uh, the, the, this coming uh, season than they did all of last year when they were starting to get get used to the new system under under Paul Maurice because it wasn't that fast-paced type of offense that they had prior to coach Maurice being here and I think that's a very important part of it too the head coach and and, and all and and I think that the, that it's a strong possibility especially because naming talking about the blue liners it, in in the beginning of the segment having a lot to prove and also here's one guy that I haven't mentioned Evan Rodriguez, a late bloomer in his career, someone who played with Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon, he he could very well go on that top line with Alexander Barkov and and the guy who could score on the power play, probably a guy who's going to be on power play too as well, and and guy and, and a guy who's incredible on the on the forecheck as well, who could create those turnover opportunities as well. So that that that's that is as far as far as one of the best additions that the Florida Panthers did make this offseason. Evan Rodriguez is definitely up there, and I think that it's going to help the Panthers stay afloat before the guys are ready to come back, especially on the blue line. Makes sense, and we'll see how that pans out. I know you'll be on top of it all season long. Armando, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media? They can find me on X at MondoMan12. They can follow the show account at LO underscore FLA Panthers at X and on Instagram as well where and they could also follow the show the show anywhere you listen to podcasts and on youtube as well all right armando thank you so much always a pleasure to have you here thank you so much gil all right i want to thank my guest joe dibiase of locked on sabers hunter hodes of locked on penguins and armando velas of locked on florida panthers for joining me today i'm gil martin i am here every monday and i co-host the friday edition of locked on nhl with Rachel Donner. I want to thank everyone for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day, every day or every day, Monday through Friday. We have the top stories from around the National Hockey League with our rotating group of hosts. So make sure you join us for that to stay up to date on all things NHL. Until then, have a great day, everybody. Stay safe and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.